Hello there. Welcome to the Herbcast, the podcast from Herbal Reality, delving into the plant-powered world of herbalism. So do you know your echinacea from your eleutherococcus or your polyphenol from your polysaccharides? Whether you're a budding herbalist, an inquisitive health professional, or a botanical beginner, Herbcast is here to inform and inspire you on your journey to integrating herbs in our everyday lives. So settle down, turn us up, and let's start today's episode of the Herbal Reality Herbcast. Very nice to see you. Yes, it's been a while. You. And you. It has yeah. been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. Great to be with you. Christine, you are a herbalist, but also you started your career in the biomedical sciences, is that right? That's right, yes. Um, from um, a young age, I, I decided that I wanted to be a scientist. And so, um, yeah, I, I started work for um, the National Health in Pathology Labs and ended up specialising um, in haematology. I did about 20 years, 20 years in that. Um, and I, looking back with hindsight, um, you know, I was absolutely completely ignorant about any other form of medicine. I had no idea that what you ate had any bearing on your health. You know? <laughs> I was I was absolutely fixed. This is this is how we do medicine. Um, so I had a big, big epiphany um, in my thirties, big change, mid thirties onwards, um, and uh, it was quite a nice transition. Um, yeah, interesting way of doing things. It's been useful because it has given me knowledge now that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So it's often useful. People have trouble with any hematological stuff. I can, I still have the knowledge to to explain yeah. blood tests and and, and the like and, and know where to and yeah. what, what to do with things. But it has turned me off lab testing a bit. I I am I'm a bit anti anti, anti any lab testing unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, I like to use um, clinical skills to determine what's wrong with people rather than lab testing. Yeah. Because you think it's just running medicine by numbers or, you know, what's not, it's not personalised enough or what's the reason? Yeah, we're, we're so much more than just our blood. You know, we, you, you do a blood test for someone and yes, you'll get a result back, but it it doesn't necessarily mean a lot. I think the best example is when I um, is I, I ended up specialising in um, food intolerances and allergies. And I think a good example to illustrate this is that um, if you uh, pay for pay a lot of money to have a blood test for um, uh, food intolerances and allergies, what will be picked up will be anything that produces antibodies in the blood. Um, but it doesn't pick up necessarily what the body really doesn't like. Um, it's it's um, it's too, it, yeah it's too reductionist. It doesn't. I find it doesn't work, and it's also not great for clinical skills. You know, if you've got if you've got someone in front of you, you know you can see and hear and so much more if you pay attention to them than if you think well which which test are we going to do today. Um, apart from anything else, they're jolly expensive, and I don't think they're so necessary. <laughs> well, you know, let's explore a bit more about, you know, why you got so interested in inflammation, which might sound like a silly question to someone that's practised medicine for so long, but, um, you know, why, why particularly inflammation did you focus on, and um, why do you see it as such an important thing to help people with? Well, 
any therapist who works um, as an alternative therapist in any form, be it a homeopath, a naturopath, a herbalist, whoever, will find that nearly everybody who comes to see them has got some kind of chronic um, ill health, some kind of chronic disease. And almost all chronic diseases have their root in inflammation. Um, this is, you know, it was, it actually started as a project, uh, a teaching project. I was teaching for um, a herbal school in Ireland and they asked me what I wanted to teach and I thought, oh, let's, let's, let's learn about, let's, let's teach about inflammation. And I started on that track and I just kept going and I could not believe how much um, everything revolves around inflammation. I think I'd known it, but, but it, was, it was just an interesting thing to learn that every chronic disease, um, in other words, nearly everything people would come and see me about or any other herbalist about as, uh, really does have its roots in inflammation. There, there are many causes, um, and that's something you know, I, can, I can go into, but um, the roots are there, the inflammation is there. And so what you have to do to resolve that is to find out, one, where the inflammation is coming from, and then treat inflammation. You actually don't need to know about the disease. You know, you may have a disease with long names, long Latin names and, you know, all sorts of amazing names. And you don't need to know, you don't need to understand what, what that disease is. You just need to play detective and treat what you find. Um, so it's, yeah, very mm. non-science. <laughs> well, it sounds, sounds very personalised. And do you almost see it as a like a unifying principle, almost, Christine? Yeah. Inflammation is a, is a unifying principle of treatment in chronic disease. Yes, absolutely. For chronic disease, it is very much a unifying principle, and that's that was a big reason why I ended up writing the book, um, because um, over the years I found myself often looking when I was doing a bit of research around someone's ill health and trying to work out how to treat them. I found I was often looking up herbs and. But I found out about inflammation. Um, it kept popping up, and so I thought, well, actually, this is going to be something that's useful for all, or everybody. This is useful for all therapists. This is useful for anyone with any chronic ill health. Um, just having this information is enough to actually get you on the right path to healing. Um, it, it's it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> and so, when you're talking about chronic health, you're meaning. Okay, so arthritis or yeah, so heart disease or digestive problem. Or... It covers an enormous, um, an enormous list of, of, of diseases and, and ill health. It covers, um, it covers. I'm just going to find my list. Um, you know, it covers um, allergies, arthritis, autoimmune disease. So, and that will cover, um, you know. Uh, thyroid disease it will cover all sorts of things like that it will cover bladder inflammation it will cover gut inflammation ibs crohn's ulcerative colitis uh, it covers cancer cancer has a big um, element based in inflammation uh, cardiovascular mm -hmm. disease yet yeah, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia that's all based in inflammation uh, diabetes is inflammation based diabetes and metabolic disease um, all the inflammatory lung diseases, inflammatory skin diseases, um, 
neurodegenerative disease. You know, there's so many people now um, suffering with um, Alzheimer's, dementia. That all has a basis in inflammation. So, you know, all those diseases, I've just covered what most people have in this in this world, in the world, not just not just this country. Um, and so, if you can deal with with those, if you can find a cause for each one of those, then you know you're you're halfway there, aren't you? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, normally when we, we know, we all know about inflammation. If we've had a bump or a scratch, or we cut ourselves, or you know, bruise ourselves, you see something acute and external, and it's red and it's painful, and mm. might be throbbing or whatever, um, that hopefully will go away quite quickly. And so, um, how do you recognise some of these internal signs of inflammation? Yeah. So and they're, they're sort yeah. of hidden in a way we can't see. So inflammation itself is a, is a health, it's a healing process. The actual process of healing, as you described, you know, if you bump yourself, if, you, if, you've, if you've had an accident, yes, you get, you get red, you get heat, you get swelling. That's all a healing process and we need that. It's important. And what should happen is that that will then resolve the problem and um, we get um, natural anti-inflammatory chemicals made in the body to stop it and then that should be resolved done finished however if if the cause of the inflammation doesn't stop if it keeps going so that could be maybe an infection doesn't go away the body can't fight an infection properly so there's constant infection it could be um, a food that someone's eating and they keep putting that food in and it keeps causing inflammation um, it could be something toxic uh, they may have, they may have, some, they may meet some toxicity. Um, I don't know, a chemical, uh, agricultural chemical, or something in the workplace that keeps putting in something that causes inflammation. Um, there could be an allergen. Now they keep could keep meeting that allergen, and so in that situation, the inflammation cannot resolve. It will keep going. It will keep going. It will keep going. And what happens is eventually um, the body. That swelling then doesn't go away. So then you get um, an area of the body that is swollen and it gets cold. It doesn't get good blood supply because it's, it's stagnant. It's, form, it, it's, it's gone completely stagnant. And the body can't heal it. It can't get in there with, with all the natural chemicals to, to actually clean it out and heal it. Um, and you get stagnation. You get That means it gets cold. It means it causes pain tissue damage um, and lack of function. Now you can imagine it as a knee, you know, if you if you bashed your knee and you kept bashing it, kept bashing it, kept bashing it, you know, it will just never heal. And in the it starts off hot because that's part of the healing process. But later on that just goes cold and, and it it just can't fix itself. So that's what I'm talking I'm talking about the chronic inflammation, inflammatory process instead of the instead of the acute which is we, we need. So that's why, I mean, herbal medicine is really good at treating that. Conventional medicine puts in um, steroidal anti-inflammatories, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and steroidal anti-inflammatories. And that's all that conventional medicine has. It really, truly doesn't have much else to treat it with. With herbal medicine, what we can do we can play. We can play detective to find out where the cause is coming from, 
but then we can also use herbs that will help to clear that whole process it will get blood supply into the area it will it will it will have inflammation mediating effect it's not they're not directly anti-inflammatory herbs they are inflammation mediating because mm. what they do is is to um do they do have lots of processes they don't just go in and stop inflammation they have lots and lots of different processes to to help help the whole thing along I know we all use that term anti-inflammatory and it's part of our language um, but it does feel contrary to how herbs work mm. in the body in the sense that they're facilitating a natural process that is yeah. already trying to happen and, and often the, whether you look at it energetically or phytochemically you know the, the plants are initiating that response so yeah I'd love to talk a bit more about immune modulation and, <laughs> and, and you know, well, inflammation modulation yeah, it, <laughs> Well, there's so many ways they can work. Um, that's that, mm. that's the thing with herbs. They 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 will they will um, improve uh, improve fluid movement through the area. They will um, cool it down. Um, I, I can't think of the ways the ways that they work. There's there's just so many ways that they work. I think we pro we don't know all the ways that they work, uh, but they. Mm -hmm. You know, they they certainly do far more than just reduce inflammation. It's the wrong word to describe it, isn't it? It's the wrong word to describe what the what the plants do. And yeah. one of the things that I enjoyed about and you know in the article you wrote on herbal reality as well is how you've sort of broken it down a little bit into how um, you know inflammation may start through digestion, okay. this more chronic form of uh, inflammation and how that's got an influence with the microbiome and then that ha how that has a knock-on to the immune system and the nervous system and how in the tradition of herbalism there is that specific knowledge around plants yeah. for those yeah. systems that have a, that right, have a yeah. particular affinity yeah. and um, I found that I found that really really fascinating you know particularly yeah the piece on the digestion I really enjoyed uh, that that area of the book, but also that area in herbal medicine that it's so specifically able to work with the gut as the seat of well, it's obviously digestive yeah. uh, enzymes, but so many hormones and, and immunological responses as well. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to talk about some of the herbs perhaps that you might you know use when you're approaching I don't know a, a chronic a chronic problem. What, what would be your way into well, the most important, the most important group of herbs I think that you you need to use when you're treating someone with inflammation are the herbs called alteratives. Um, so these these are herbs that um, are able to improve the body's elimination system, improve the way the body detoxifies itself, improve the way the body works to make itself healthier so alteratives it covers a very big area but they are probably the most important herbs to use when we're, when we're actually treating someone with chronic ill health because the body has stopped functioning properly it, it's well in the in health the body doesn't need help to do all these things it doesn't need help to make the bowels work better to make the, the, the kidneys work better it doesn't need help to do that but once you've got into chronic ill health, 
do you need help from herbs to, to help you do this? Um, and um, so there are, the alternatives tend to work on body systems. So for, for example, um, cleavers. Cleavers is a, a lovely, mm. most people will know cleavers. They know it as goosegrass, sticky willy, um, cleavers, Latin is gallium aparine. Um, cleavers is a very gentle herb. It's very um, gentle tasting. It doesn't taste strong. It doesn't feel or look as though it could do anything very powerfully, but it, it does. Um, it's a really good um, lymphatic moving herb and the lymph system is so important to keep um, the whole body working properly. And cleavers, um, you can use it as a tea, you can put it into a green smoothie, you can do all sorts of things with it, um, but it will get the lymphatic system working better. It's a, it's a herb that you use long term, you know, you'd use, a, use it little and often, it's not going to work overnight, it needs to be used regularly. But it's such a, an, a safe herb and it's growing everywhere, certainly it grows right through the winter. You know, I, I pick cleavers every day through the winter from about maybe October right through till March, April. Um, and it's beautiful fresh stuff and it, it goes in my green smoothie every morning. <laughs> Um, so oh, wow. cleavers is. So what do you do? You you pick it and you uh, just blend it. Yeah, just put it in my. I put. I go around. I go out every morning and I pick. I pick alternative herbs. Um, that's my. That's my everyday health. So I. So alternative herbs. I will mix, pick dandelion leaves. I'll pick yarrow leaves. I'll pick cleavers leaves. Um, what else might I pick? Um, Anyway, those certainly go in. They, they go in my mix. And those nettle leaves, if you can find nettle leaves, yeah, if you not, can find them, and uh, hopefully not a burdock. Hopefully not a burdock leaf, Christine, because they really are quite disgusting. But, um... No, I think it's a nice one. So, <laughs> and, and dandelion yeah. is a wonderful alternative. Dandelion works on the on the liver. It works on the kidneys, mm. um, and gets them working better, works on the bowels, gets them working better. They don't, it's not a, it's not an out and out um, laxative or anything like that. It just makes the gut work better and the liver work better. Um, and so that way we can actually start to clear all these products of chronic inflammation and get the body working better. Um, yarrow's, yarrow's a nice one too. And all these herbs that we're talking about, they all have inflammation-mediating properties too. They're not just there mm -hmm. as cleansing. They're, they're all inflammation-mediating as well. So they do everything. And the thing is to pick the herbs that are safe. You know, we don't need super strong herbs for these things. The one uh, caution with alternative herbs is if someone is very dry um, and maybe a bit feeble, so then I would be a bit cautious about using them but otherwise everybody with chronic uh, chronic inflammation could take could take all of these herbs and they can probably go and fetch them for themselves and pick them for themselves <laughs> mm -hmm. well, they're, they're all around in the in the countryside you can get there and and if you can't get out to the countryside to get them then um you can use the dried herbs absolutely yes very easy very easy to get them um, and, and most herbalists would have them, or you can get them online, or you know, but far nicer if you can go and pick them yourself. Yeah. 
So uh, I, I, I like that focus on the alternatives, that, they're, that you, you use them to sort of redress the balance, to help alter the internal yeah. chemistry, the internal balance. And so do, is that, would that be like your sole approach, that you would use more of these sort of cleansing, detoxifying approaches, or do you, do you um, weed the garden first and then uh, fertilize it again with some tonics, or is there a, a particular pattern you have, or obviously person-specific? Well, number one, you've got to find out what the problem is in the first place, what's causing, what's causing the problem. So if you've got a repeated infection, um, then alongside the alternatives, you're going to need herbs that will fight that infection, be it antimicrobials, um, antifungals, antivirals, antibacterials, um, or simple immune tonics. So a good one that's in the middle there is echinacea. Echinacea is an immune tonic and it's also an alternative. Mm. So that's quite a useful one to use in, in that situation. Um, so it depends on, on, on the cause of, of the inflammation. I think that's, that's, that's number one to say where you would start choosing the herbs. Because yes, it's very, this is very individual. This is a, a way of treating people very much in an individual way. It's very important to do it like that. And so the herbs are chosen individually um, for, the, for the person. I mean, one thing that I find fascinating about this subject is this, is this health, this interface between the outside and the inside, maybe, as a way of exploring it. And uh, the effects of the, um, or effects on the, on the endothelium and the lining of all of our vessels and so many herbs that seem to have become well known in the last you know decade or so and probably over history but more recently publicly perhaps seem to be having this um deeper micro circulatory effect in a way i'm thinking of you know turmeric and um uh, cacao and um go to cola and things like yeah. that that seem to yeah. have become much more and the you know, the red wine craze and polyphenols yeah. etc yeah so I'd love to talk a little bit about that. It seems like there's, there's, you use the word stagnation quite a lot of times, and I, I see that with the fluids. You can see that very physically. Um, and I just would love to hear your views on using uh, herbs that might be more um, you know, invigorating in that sense of moving the blood or mm. um, clearing stagnation or inflammation in the, in the endothelium. Well, probably my favourite for this would be something like ginger. Ginger. Uh, mm. garlic, um, chilli for those who can tolerate chilli well. Um, so those would be my moving herbs. Those would be my main moving herbs, I think. Um, and I am very cautious with turmeric. Um, I, turmeric, has, turmeric has become a big favourite with a lot of people. But um, what I have found is that a lot of people taking too much turmeric are coming up with salicylate sensitivity. So I always mm -hmm. urge caution uh, with turmeric, and I would say yes, use it in eating, use it, use it in food, but be very careful taking a supplement um, because you can overdo it. And if you become intolerant to turmeric, um, and of course, unfortunately, some of the other things you just said about as well, so the red wine. Um, the chocolate, the chocolate, also the cinnamon, chocolate. yeah, also <laughs> cinnamon. All these moving, nice moving, warming herbs are all high salicylate, um, and salicylate sensitivity has become incredibly common um, over the last five, ten years. 
I was looking at case looking at case studies uh, when I because I've just started writing a new book, um, and looking at case studies and the number of case studies I have where salicylate comes up with someone as being something they're now sensitive to and causing inflammation is quite incredible. Mm. Um, I think. And it, how do you know about that? The salicylate intolerance. How do you uh, know that? How does someone know they've got how it? How does someone know that? Okay, so. Yeah. Um, the, the most common situation is if they are already dairy intolerant or wheat intolerant, which people tend to know, and they've still got symptoms and they think they're eating properly. And the symptoms are likely mm -hmm. to be um, gut-based or skin-based, usually. Can be bladder-based as well, so they can be any, any of those things. And again, there's inflammation going on, so there's sore, red, um, you know, pain. Um, and they can't work out because they're eating what they're supposed to eat, and they hadn't, you know, they haven't found out anything that. that... So, salicylate sensitivity is not the same as um, dairy and gluten and wheat. In in that you cannot get rid of all salicylates. All plant foods have salicylates in. What you can do is reduce the amount of salicylate you're eating, um, and what I've seen is lots of people eating blueberries every morning for breakfast um, and all the berries out of season every day and I think that's one cause because we're not supposed to eat berries all year round for every day for breakfast they're, they're not in season so that's one cause because they're very high in salicylate and I think also turmeric has something to answer for because um, turmeric made, made mainstream press and this is the answer to all your inflammatory problems um, and so a lot of people started taking turmeric all the time. So I think those are the two reasons, as well as lots of people having gut damage from, from food, because it is so, so common. Everybody I have seen with chronic ill health has a food intolerance. Um, and I've heard that from other herbalists who've specialised in it too. It's, I believe everybody with a, with a chronic ill health has a food intolerance. And if you can find that, if you can find out what that food intolerance is and get rid of that, then you're halfway to putting people right. Um, so it's what you're eating is actually more important than anything else to, to, you know, to sort out. I mean, every tradition says that, doesn't it? Yeah. Every, every tradition um, uh, talks about the value of Agni or the digestive oh. power or spleen chi in Chinese medicine. Um, and how do you go about feeling that? You know, when we've got... You know, 50% of every food basket in the UK is made with ultra-processed foods. Yeah, and that's, so, that's, you know, that's, that's 50% of all food yeah. in the world in the UK is yeah. super high levels of processed foods. Yeah. How do people go about, given that we're likely all to, you know, grab a snack when we're in a garage or um, out and about, um, how can you go about protecting the gut and what can you do to help heal it if you've... Uh, transgressed okay. or, uh, you know, well, whatever, been exposed yeah. to something that damaged you. Yeah, and, in, and anyone with, with, with chronic ill health and chronic, chronic infl inflammatory disease needs to do this. Um, number one, you, um, mm. if, you've got a, if you've got a real flare-up, you stop eating. You do a 24-hour, um, it could be a liquid-only you know, liquid fast, something like that. Um, that gives the body a rest, and that will then give you a good idea that actually it's what you're eating that's making you ill. Um, and then you start eating things that are non-inflammatory. So the non-inflammatory, easier to say which are the inflammatory foods. The inflammatory foods for everybody are um, wheat, 
and gluten. They are um, dairy, they're pork. Um, other red meat isn't so bad. Pork is, pork is a horror. Um, oranges, alcohol, sugar. Um, those are the real inflammatory foods for everybody. So those are the foods you should you have to stop. Um, and you have to go onto a diet which has got lots of vegetables in, lots of vegetables. Um, you can eat a little um, good red meat if you want to carry on with, with red meat, but not too much, and it needs to be um, beef or lamb. Um, you can eat a little poultry if you, need, if you want to carry on, but that needs to be organic. Um, you can eat fish if you want to. Again, you need to be careful, not farmed fish. Um, eggs, again, in, uh, in moderation are okay. All the pulses, nuts and seeds are particularly good. Um, those are the foods that people need to eat. Not overdoing the fruit, because fruit has got a lot of sugar in, So, but some fruit is okay, apart from oranges. They're pretty much the only one that you can't eat. Um, so it's going to a really clean diet. That's that's more important than anything else. Um, once you've done that, and you see your symptoms go. So uh, you know, digestive symptoms always go first. That's always the first thing to come and the first thing to go. And if digestive symptoms improve, then you've obviously done the right thing, and you can you can just carry on with what you're doing. If they don't, then you may need to um, get some. Go and, see, go and see a therapist, go and find out if there's any foods you shouldn't be eating. Um, get, some, get some testing done uh, and find out if there's something else you shouldn't be eating. Um, but otherwise, you know, simple diet based on vegetables with some protein foods, that's, that's what you have to do. Enough fluids, the fluids are really important, so people need to be drinking, you know, a couple of litres of fluids in some way or another a day, so that could be herb teas. Ginger tea is marvellous. Ginger is a really good um, inflammation-mediating herb, um, as long as it's not too hot for people. So it has to be. You know, we have to suit. We have to suit it. Um, but all all the herb teas um, are good, unless you're salicylate sensitive. And if you're salicylate sensitive, then you'll react to things like peppermint, spearmint, licorice, uh, chamomile. All those common ones, if anyone reacts to those, then that's another indication that they may well be salicylate sensitive. Um, so that's that's the way forward. It's plenty of fluids, plenty of good vegetables, um, and, and, and move from there. If Lots of herbs in your diet, spices to help your digestion and everything. Yeah. And, um, and so what will you do, say someone's... You know, got, but you know, what about if you've got a more compromised digestion than that, in a way? Yeah. You know, would you use any herbs with it at all, along with this... Good diet and uh, yeah, so I, I the recommendations you have for people as well. But yeah. what's, how, where do you start with the herbs? Yeah. What are a few ideas there? So that those are the things. The what I've spoken about so far are things that people can do by themselves. You know, they, that's that is a you know we can do all this mm. by ourselves without any any intervention from anybody else. If you've got a lot of gut damage, then yes, there are things. There are some herbs that would be helpful um, to heal the gut because it's this is then becomes uh, leaky gut. So where, where the gut is, the, the tight, tight zones between the cells are, are no longer tight and they allow through molecules that shouldn't come through um, and that gives us more reaction, more, more reaction to, to foods, more allergies and so on. So there's um, a substance called um, L-glutamine, it's an amino acid and 
that works really well actually for gut healing and it seems people don't react to it so that's a supplement that you can buy um, slippery elm marshmallow root those are two herbs we would use as powders and we would maybe mix them with something like aloe vera juice um, and take those and that's gut healing that will help us heal the gut probiotics um, are also going to come in here that if our gut flora isn't well if it's not if it's unhealthy then we won't have good digestion we need we need the good gut bacteria to to break down our foods so we can absorb foods and, and we need them for many many reasons so fermented foods and um, probiotics so I often get people to make um, sauerkraut or um, kefir or and so on and those are those are really good for the, for the gut too so there's lots of things that, that can be done to to improve that. Um, Tell me a little bit, Christine, about why you said the uh, uh, marshmallow root, mm. and um, for example, just why, why is that so good for the gut, and why does it help potentially yeah. with microbiome? Or so marshmallow, like yeah. marshmallow root um, is um, what we call mucilaginous. Um, so it forms a mucilage, it's slippery, it's slimy, you know, if you imagine the inside of, of your gut, inside of, 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 of the body, it needs mucous membranes, it need, and mucous membranes need to be soft and moist to do their job, and one of their jobs is as a barrier to to protect the rest of the body from from what's going going in so the whole the inside of the mouth is is mucous membrane and we need that mucous membrane to be soft to be moist um, and to be intact and marshmallow root um, marshmallow leaf as well they're both marshmallow is really good at improving mucous membrane integrity um, and it's just a very important part of the whole whole body that that, that protective mechanism. So yes, that that's what that will do. And slippery elm does the same, um, and and it's also contain they also contain a lot of soluble fibre. So again, that will help um, that will help the uh, uh, the the, bio, the microbiome to be healthy as well. Um, it's, you know, bowels need to work because with the microbiome is. The microbiome eats eats the mucilage yes, as such, yeah, as it, yeah. and it feeds it to generate more yeah. bifidobacteria, yeah, etc., yeah, and more exactly. healthy populations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love. Um, I, I I just love marshmallow. I love that you said it. It's something. It's like a wonderful plant to be around. It's so soft to touch and uh, so big and I don't know, delicate but grand. There's something about it. And what you know? Do you? How do you use these? Do you? Do you mix them with water? What are you doing? Are you making a cold infusion with the marshmallow? Do you recommend that to people? Or, Depends what we're treating. Um, do you just get them to make it as a tea? Yeah. Depends what we're treating. Yeah. Um, so I use marshmallow as a marshmallow leaf as a tea a lot. So with anyone with any bladder inflammation, then marshmallow leaf tea is brilliant. I will usually mix that with something like um, corn silk, the, the silk around the corn on the cob. And those two together make a wonderful tea for any bladder inflammation. Um, if we're treating the gut, um, the actual digestive system, then I will probably use a powder. I'll use a marshmallow root powder um, as, and then mix that with um, a bit of um, aloe vera juice, which is also a good gut healer, or just with a little bit of water. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. And then you take that before eating. 
the idea is that you know you're, you're preparing the gut for food you're lining the gut to make it happier for food and then I will often the other than the other thing I will often do to help with with digestion and again most people that I see will get some of these is use bitters bitter tonic herbs to get the gut, the, the gut ready for eating for digesting as we get older anyway our digestive abilities decline you know we just can't you know when, when we're young we can we can eat on the run and, and eat anything and and just carry on as normal but no problem but as we get older unfortunately we have to um, pay attention to our digestive system because it doesn't work quite as well anymore so bitters bitter herbs that bitter taste is so effective at getting um, digestive juices flowing it gets that the hydrochloric acid working in the gut it gets it gets digestive juices all the digestive enzymes that break all the food down and get it moving it gets it all working so much better so bitter things are things like um, artichoke leaf artichoke leaf is a really good bitter if anyone grows artichoke you just touch the just touch your lip onto your tongue onto a bit of artichoke leaf and it's bitter bitter you know you, it's it's not easy <laughs> to take um, things like um, dandelion dandelion's bitter um, burdock is bitter there are a lot of bitter tasting things that we maybe don't like to have but really improve our digestion and bitter taste getting used to bitter taste doesn't take long actually it's surprising um, most people I give bitters to find that within a few days they actually quite like the bitter taste. They don't mind it anymore. And you're just talking about a small amount of I'm talking bitter in the diet, are you? Just Ten saying? drops, twenty drops, maybe five mil um, in a little water, and you have that before you eat. Um, and it's getting the gut ready for for digesting food. Of course, there's plenty of nice bitter aperitifs. Um, they're particularly good mm -hmm. at those um, in Europe. You know, we, we haven't got a tradition in, in the UK, but in Europe they have a tradition of using bitter aperitifs. Uh, I make a nice mm -hmm. one with, with walnuts. So uh, mm -hmm. the walnut, the hull and the nuts, the whole lot before it's right, and the stuff what you would make with if you were doing pickled walnuts. And I make a liqueur with that, and that's my bitter aperitif. Oh, yes, oh, can be. Green walnut liqueur. I mean, Christine, it sounds like we should come for a walk with you in the morning and then <laughs> be there for a drink in the evening. That's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, oh, that sounds amazing. So you're healing the gut by making it um, soft and uh, the microbiome well fed, the tissues protected. Then you're stimulating digestion and clearing any uh, sort of stagnation with the bitters in a yeah. way because they're a little bit yeah. uh, stimulating. And then, um, you know, it seems, you know, by the time someone's got a chronic health problem, you know, there's, all, there's a whole lot of other attenuated pain and discomfort yeah. and probably, yeah. you know, psychological or, you know, emotional right. uh, factors resulting yeah. from that suffering, really, yeah. or difficulty in life. And I'm sure you've got a few favourites that you use to help your I clients do. Uh, <laughs> I do. You know, support their nervous yes. system and yes. neurological yes. system. So, particularly because, you know, so much of this, although it happens throughout life, you know, happens as people age, really. Absolutely. And as, as that builds up, it seems like it's yeah. a place that herbalism has to offer society yeah. today is for some of these therapeutic gaps. Yeah. It seems like there's a, obviously, modern medicine offers so much in so many areas. It feels like that herbalism is a missing key to a more integrative and 
sustainable healthcare system. Yeah. And so, because so much of our burden is on at the eight, as we get older, really, yes. um, I'd love to hear how you might support some of your clients um, after you've nurtured their digestion <laughs> and got their digestion going. Well, I mean, I think you, you mentioned tonics earlier. So we, um, adaptogens and tonics are going to be coming in once we've, once we've got things moving well. So adaptogens and tonics are, are herbs that help the body to change to cope with stress. Um, so adaptogens they help they help the body to cope with any 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 stress that that's that's come that's that's hurt the body um, to adapt to changes. So for example, um, one a lot of people will know will be um, ginseng panax ginseng, which is a bit of a powerful adaptogen. I certainly wouldn't use it for everybody, but it's one that people know about and it's it's. They, people call it rejuvenative and it makes the body work better it makes the body cope with stress um, some of, I mean Ayurveda has some wonderful ones so um, ashwagandha and, and shatavari are, are two wonderful um, adaptogenic herbs that I would use a lot um, nettle seed is, is a, an a, a English one that's, a, that's another adaptogenic herb burdock is probably adaptogenic too so there's, there's many of these tonic herbs herbs that actually help us to feel better so we, what we've talked about so far is, is the herbs that will put will put the chem the body chemistry right make the body work better and then we can then go on to the herbs that make us feel better as well so we've also got um, herbs like um, verbena um, verbena officinalis vervain which is a wonderful nervine tonic herb so it's mm. it's got a bitter taste about it so it will help with that but it's it's calming and and cooling and soothing and and really good for the nervous system so someone that's been super anxious for a long time give them vervain um, and that will really help to calm everything down um, there are we've got quite a few herbs like that we've got lemon balm another nice nervine tonic herb and they're these are also they're not just nervine they're also inflammation mediating you know we, that's the thing all these herbs i don't think there's one herb that isn't inflammation mediating i think they all have that ability in different ways to 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 reduce inflammation um skull caps gutularia latifolia latiflora sorry um is another herb that I could use for anxiety if someone's very anxious about about their own health. I also use um, flower remedies a lot. So I love flower remedies. Anyone who's been chronically ill for long term, I will almost certainly get them on some flower remedies and I'll choose them in for the individual because the nice thing about flower remedies is that they work within 24 hours. They, people really get results very quickly um, from flower remedies and sometimes when what you've got to do is change your diet and that's what you've been eating for the last 30 40 50 years it's not always easy so it's really useful to have something that will give you that extra oomph that extra um, ability to do something about your health and so flower remedies are one really nice way to do that um, again, I choose them for the individual. There isn't one particular flower remedy that I, I could recommend because it depends on the individual. But 
to find a flower remedy mix that is right for you is it just makes it's so much easier to make these changes that you then have to make to, to get yourself well so it's a it's a get you over that starting point although the first starting point is the coming to see someone once you say right there is something wrong i need to go to see someone <laughs> well that's, that's that's the biggest hurdle well it's a strong message isn't it that you know change is afoot and that yeah. you are going to be empowered as an individual by seeing a herbalist with right. and, and given the resources to know how to manage some of these difficulties and these limitations that have been holding you back in life and it certainly comes across very strongly Christine that herbs they don't just resolve information they're there to help support healing and health or you know optimized health in a way and the way you talk about how we need to eat more plants and we need to uh, you know increase that awareness of what suits us oh, and what doesn't and right. that there are some keys in a way uh, that can help you unlock mm. some of those uh, blockages mm. and herbalism contains a lot of those insights and and herbalists are the, are the medium by which you can find that out yes so, yes definitely um, yes. oh it sounds fascinating your work and i'm really glad to hear you're um, writing more and uh, you know keen to share your experience so widely and it, it just feels like there's so much hope and potential from what you've shared today so absolutely there you. is there's always hope for everybody everything everything can be at least improved um, you know there's it, it's you should never give up um, you know I've had some I've had some pretty dramatic people come to see me uh, despairing uh, definitely despairing and, and wanting and thinking there's nothing that can be done um, but no, last hope but you can you can always help there's always something that can be done to both improve mindset and to improve their, their, their actual health you know there's there's so much so much you can do uh, to do that definitely yeah well, thank you. It's been really great to have the time together and I'd encourage anyone that's listening to have a look at Herbal Reality and read Christine's article there and uh, there's information all about inflammation there and uh, all the solutions that you may want to find uh, in, in the book. So thanks so much Christine. Take care. Thank you Sebastian. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Herbcast the podcast from Herbal Reality. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, perhaps you'd like to leave us a rating. That would really help us to spread our message for herbal health. We hope you'll join us again for the next episode. And in the meantime, if you'd like a few more herbal insights from us, do have a look at herbalreality.com. Or learn more from us via Instagram, where we're at herbal.reality. And we're on Twitter and Facebook too. We'll be back with another episode of The Herbcast soon. Thanks for joining.